It's a stereotype. Sometimes you have to take yeah, both well, hands. So Lord. Dennis, hey. my friend, all, how are you feeling on this lovely evening? All is white in Kalamazoo, man. All the trees have, have bud, and we have white buds everywhere. Not even the versatility of the trees and their spring blossoming differences. Mm-hmm. I just read that book, The Overstory, I told you about, which yes. is all related to trees. And so, of course, I'm noticing them because, as one might say about a great novel, when I read this, it actually kind of so far has changed the way I look at the world in a way that I I was on the edge of doing maybe, but now I'm really doing it, and it's remarkable. Yeah. which I want to dig into that. It's on my list. So, white with... So anyway, everything's blooming. It's great. It's white everywhere. I look out, I'm I'm seeing one, two, eight, nine white blossoming trees that are 60, 65 feet tall, including these massive dogwoods that uh, take up the whole south side of my house that... The owner who bought the colonial type uh, house on the street, old lot of acreage to it. it's probably three acre lot right in the city, and we're up against that. So yep. our south wall faces the fence, and then his property. But he planted the dogwoods, and and the, everything I'm looking at it is what he planted. He's a very smart, arborist, intelligent guy. Tree dude. Arbor Intel. Arbor Intel. Yeah. So your eyes are drinking in a Bud White. <laughs> That's good. That's, hey, yeah. yeah. That's funny. <laughs> so, That's funny. we have quite a bit to talk about. So, where should we begin? Did you see the photo I just yeah. sent before we recorded about the. No. So, this morning, I woke up, as I do most mornings, and I opened the blinds to my bedroom, and I saw this spectacular sight where the sun was this golden orb just above the horizon, and Above it was this huge cloud of smoke, and it was just an amazing image. Like, I immediately mm, fumbled around to get my phone to take the photograph. Apparently, uh, from what I've heard, they are controlled fires to set up some, some space between to, to prevent actual uncontrolled wildfires. But all around in my province today, there were fires and smoke and stuff, and it was... Oh, no shit. Yeah. So, uh, can you put the picture in the chat box? I sent it to your email... And I can put oh. it in the show notes. Oh, I do want to see it, though. It's worth ha- having a gander. You're still there, aren't you? Oh, God. Where are you at, boy? File photo this morning. Fire. Holy shit. That's pretty incredible. Isn't that a, an image? It is an image. Like, that was what greeted my eye upon awaking today. Where are you? I'm over here, man. Hey. I'm over here. here. Yeah. Hey. Hey, man. I was... Like lost in smoke for a moment. I where am I and where are you? In the, in the, I was lost in the photo. Yeah, so I have seen all of Beartown now, which you heartily recommended. And All of it, all five. All five. You binge, uh, and what language was it in for you? As I said last time, it's I can only see it in overdubbed English, which is, yeah, it's okay. I'm sure it would be better to actually hear the actual voices, but it was okay. I can't imagine, but I'm glad you saw it anyway, but that it doesn't change anything fundamental to the plot at all. It's just a, right. it's a technical issue. So nonetheless, the story is quite powerful. And what's, what I find interesting about this story upon reflection is that it's sadly so universal. Like you could change the location and the language and the sport. Right. And yes. it would... Yes. It yes. has played out thousands yes. of times around the world. And yes. 
it it really touched a nerve with me because actually the three days before I I watched all of it, I got into a kerfuffle with my mother-in-law who was staying here, as you may recall. And what had happened was I was in my office working and I heard some shouting in the next room and I went to investigate. And it was my daughter saying that my son had hit her. And I think the accusation was he was, he had his COVID mask and was swinging it around and slapped her face with it. Not the biggest crime. But, but my mother-in-law and our nanny, who are very good friends, were, were saying, oh no, he didn't, I'm sure he didn't mean it. It was, that's nothing. Don't worry about it. And my daughter was, and my daughter was very much upset that she wasn't being believed that she had been attacked. And she said, no, really, he hit me on purpose. And they were totally minimizing it. They were saying that that, that's probably not what happened. Which, which to me would mean that he probably did do it on purpose. So my, my my reaction, the very first thing I did was I took my son, I, I, I took my son and I brought him into my office and I sat him down and I said, you did that on purpose, didn't you? And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, you're not gonna do that again because you don't want other people to hit you. And he was like, yeah, okay. And so then I went back and I had to stand up for my daughter and say, look, she said she was attacked. We need to believe her. This, you don't know what happened. So believe what she says. And anyway, it wasn't a a huge thing, but I was like, it struck this chord in me of my daughter is about to be a teenager. And I know that the world and and society is structured around not believing women when they say they were attacked. And I very, very much want to demonstrate to to my daughter that if anything happens to her, she can absolutely come to me and I will believe her and I want her to be able to tell me things. And I will never say, oh, no, he probably didn't mean it or or that that bullshit of what were you wearing? That sort of demeaning shit. So anyway, already as a father of a preteen, I'm super sensitive to this particular topic. As you should be. And Beartown just Uh fucking nailed exactly what Uh I was worried about Uh because... It's, I guess, if you're listening to this, we're going to spoil a little bit about Beartown now, but the general gist of the story is the, it's this town that is all about sports and masculinity and hockey and rah, 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 man, hockey testosterone. Period, no other sport. Yeah. <clears throat> all hockey about hockey. And hunting. And the, I guess the protagonist, I guess you could call him, the, this coach comes back from a career. I forget why he was somewhat disgraced in his career, but he was a professional he hockey drinking. player. Drinking. Okay. And the NFL. He, in the, and uh, HL. Yeah. And so he came back home to his hometown and as the hockey expert was named the coach for the local team. And he's a great coach because he knows the game inside and out. He does. And he does. He coaches the local team to the point where they start winning. And when they start winning, they have they have this party and the star player of, of the team uh, ends up raping the coach's daughter, which is a perfect little narrative not to tie to allow that conflict is what the series is based on anyway they the father and the whole town basically don't believe her or they put up all the common excuses of yeah but you had a crush on him so you really wanted to have sex despite the fact that's not the way rape works and anyway yeah it was powerful from it it was jam-packed with emotional relationships because nothing no interaction between virtually any character in the entire series was ever about anything other than conflict. Right. Just everything was in conflict, and it built and built. And so what was your most powerful image, and, and what did you think was the most remarkable coaching moment? So <clears throat> as for coaching moments, 
I remember at the very beginning when he was really coming on to be coach and he went around the the team and said, what are you known for? And the kid is like, I don't know. And, and, and all the rest of the team are like, you're fucking smart ass mouth is what you're known for. And the coach says, okay, look, this is your thing. Use it. Talk shit to the other players. Insult them. This Use your tool. And they go around to the other guy and the other guy is a little bit overweight. And he says, look, your weight is your thing. You're going to, in, in fact, you can even get a little bit heavier and you're going to use that weight to be the bowling ball that knocks over the other team or whatever. And yeah. went around and finally got to the little guy and, and he said, look, you're faster than anyone else on this team or anyone else in this league. You are super fast and you need to use this. And then they had that, that, that series where it was the little kid trying to, like doing one-on-ones against which, bigger kid. which was the follow-up to his advice in that the senior commenting on happened earlier in the movie and then much somewhat after that they shot to this actual when he was coaching that to him and he was getting nailed every time bang just banged and he could barely get up right and he, he just leaned back to him and he said what are you best at i think yeah. that's the question it, it he was said he could barely say it and he said speed and then he got past him yeah so that was, I appreciated that from a, a coaching standpoint. And for me, the most powerful image was when her mother finally was, went into the bathroom and the girl was finally said to her, mm-hmm. yes. there's a problem. Yep. That was the most powerful. It was, it was gut-wrenching, the whole damn series. Yeah, for sure. There wasn't a whole lot of, there wasn't a whole lot of funny parts in it. No, there were no. Not, there were some cute moments, and, and I was struck by the architecture because of the lack of curtains, and all the windows were open to the outside, huh. in, in light of other houses and whatnot, and how different that is here, you know, yeah. just where we live. That's um, maybe a Scandinavian property. The... Have you read the book? No. Oh, read the book. And as, as much as I love the series, I love the book more. Of course. Why? Do you think that's generally the case? I think that's generally the case, yes. I think it's a rare exception that a an adaptation of a book is better than the book. How about Moby in Dick? In fact, none are coming to mind. How about Moby Dick? Oh, I didn't see that movie. No, that's not true. There's a Moby Dick movie? Moby Dick. Huh. I've heard that book is really hard to get through and that most people that claim to have read it are lying. But And, oh God, the remarkable actor who played the whaler with the one leg, Gregory Peck. This is the, it was so Gregory Peck's okay. remark. You've ne- are you joking? You're joking. I've never says. seen the move, this you movie are, with Gregory Peck. With me. You have I'm to. Not. I have not. Come on. You can't. What? A movie guy like you, that's crazy. Is, is the title Moby Dick? No, it's Dick, comma, Moby. So you can't tell. Yeah, it's Moby Dick. Okay. See, this is news to me. So you got homework now. And you Google it up now and you read all the awards and, and whatnot. And it's when you read that and hear that, you'll know why I find it remarkable you don't know about it. It is from 1956. So I was three years old when I saw it. And it stayed with me ever since. I've also seen it numerous times. Huh. I will register that that is a thing. And there's a, been a bunch of... It was in 1998. Did you think or did you want the girl, sorry, I lost her name, to kill him or hit him, shoot him with, at the end? Did you want that to happen? Did you think it would happen? Yeah, so last week, when all, had, when all I had seen were two people running through thigh-high snow, as you described it, and 
they get to the point where one of them is over this lake and the other one raises the rifle and then you hear the gunshot and it cuts away. And you said, do you think she hit him? And at that point, I didn't know that it was a she. I just saw two humans running around. But that was that, uh, That's funny. Yeah. It was clear in the scene. It was at the, no, at the end of the episode, they go back and they show that it's her. But at the beginning yes. series, they at the don't. beginning thing, they don't. It was just too... I'm conflating the, yeah, I, the first and the last episode. Yeah. No, not the first and the last episode. The end of the first episode, it's clear that it's her. But I'm glad that she didn't. Did I think she might? I thought she might. But... the I can't say this about the movie because I read the book first. So, of course, I knew by then what the ending was. But I'll tell you this about the book. I was absolutely certain that gunshot had resulted in the death of someone. Right. And that drove the entire book. Ah, so the book was structured um, in the same way where that scene well, happened first. Book, because the acting was so strong, it was remarkable, mm-hmm. actually, to, to, a, to an actor, to a character. And such a, it was, it gave you the, it was tension inducing where if you see some of these shows like Hitchcock back in the day, and when I was watching black and white television and Hitchcock stuff came on, it made you feel uncomfortable. It was some weird stuff, right? Twilight. Yeah. Well, exactly. But Twilight Zone's even a better example of what I mean. But so that that the way that the novel opened, just as I would assume was as powerful in the movie, you did not know, but you had to think that, well, yeah, chase, 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 chase. Didn't she fire a shot in the opening scene and miss? But didn't she fire a shot in the opening scene? And we don't know whether he was right. shooting at him or trying to hit him. Is that true? Do you remember that? In the opening scene, it was the shot was from far away, and the rifle was definitely aimed at his chest. And uh-huh. then we but heard the sound. Away, it was from far away, but you, we never saw what she did in the final scene of a quick jerk to the left with the, before the fire. I don't think we saw that in the, the initial. No, of course we didn't see it. No, because that would you know, thought, ruin the, the book was the same way. It went. It was the end of the chapter. It right. was the end of the opening. Sure. It's that story of the chases, chases of a rifle and the snow, and it's all that descriptive stuff. And, and then it, and the other thing it did that you'll find re- remarkable, and then I'll stop talking about the book so much, but is that the opening of the book goes clack, dash, clack, dash, clack, and you don't know what that is until the author describes that's the sound of Kevin hitting shots into the net in his backyard. Nice. That you can hear echoed all through the town. And people all in the neighborhood are used to hearing it every night, and it resounds. Interesting. And so that's juxtapositioned against the other sound of the rifle shots. And that, and from that point forward, you, from that point forward, you won't put the book down until you've read it. Right. It's, it, you'll say, oh, shit, i got to go to bed now. I've been reading for two hours. And you did it. It's one of those books you really didn't want it to end. It was so horrific. Yet so masterful. And I had the same feeling about the movie, frankly. It was very intense and uncomfortable. Yes. All this conflict, all the way through. And of course, the brutality of it, which is treated in such a nonchalance, is, of course, how else would it play out? How else would it play out anywhere, as you pointed out? That could happen oh, Lord. with the quarterback of a team and a cheerleader in America or... The star soccer player in Brazil and the coach's daughter, any, right? like it's so translatable to any place. I'm sure it could happen in Asia somewhere. I don't know if, enough about Asian culture, but I assume that they would also blame the victim the way that we do in the West. Or shame the victim. Or in some Muslim cultures, honor kill the victim. Stop the victim. Yeah. I, I wanted, one thing that I wanted to bring up was the, Kevin's father. 
Yes. Is he reminds me of a previous president in so many ways where he's always angry and he he feels good when he talks about bringing business to a new location yeah. like they oh, oh when the other team heard that that I could bring some contracts into their area it was they really uh, got excited and also about how he doesn't pay any of his contractors there's he, it was specifically mentioned that he was making deals and then not paying for them. No shit. I didn't catch that. And the, I didn't the, that's it's more despicable than I thought. And just the scorn. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's and right. lack of love that he shows to his son that you are worthless to me unless somehow you're making my business better. Like it, it was just so like I felt so I felt so oh, bad for the rapist is a sentence. It's and the tension that exists that actor who played Kevin so fucking remarkable and so well played deep in the emotional zone in so subtle of a dramatic fashion as to be brooding and sulking and and you knew that he was the most miserable child he was in so much pain in the town yes he was the most miserable child in the town and his father had, did that thing had, at one point where he got up, he got angry at the kid and was like, get out of the car and left him in yeah, sub-zero temperatures. Sub-zero temperature home. And where did they find him? Practicing hockey. Remember? Where? It just some place in the woods. middle of nowhere. In the middle of fucking nowhere, just, yeah. To stay warm. But he was out of his head. Yeah, he's actor, very troubled. The, the guy that played Kevin, I felt like Kevin... Sometimes he looked a little bit chunkier than other times. I think maybe his weight changed a little bit during the shooting of the thing, and he, from scene to scene, he would his face had a little bit more fat on it than in other scenes. I don't know. Maybe yeah, it was just the lighting. Yeah, I could reflect back and think so. And but the thing is to know that in the typical in this beautiful, you know, the picture, the thing they published to announce the movie, he's he had, there's a picture of him that I think is drawn in, but it has him with a slender a more slender face and in some sense uh, probably a more handsome face he's not that but uh handsome of a kid really to be no, the, no but that's why the, that's why to be the high school quarterback or whatever that all, all the girls are interested in but but and, and which points to the fact that at the end of the day it's all about hockey that's it that's what i always say that's it hockey how more yeah. that's my motto how about get back so I there was guess. this this unspoken thing about how the coach's family had lost a child. Yeah. And powerful. How so it was powerful. a it was never discussed how or when or why, but that it was certainly a third rail that whenever the the wife mentioned it, it uh, blew up as a the most touching scene in, in one of most touching scenes in the series was when he was going through the box of that's the final scene belongings and it's the v final scene that's yeah. the last scene i think so and the belongings are of a that of a child yeah they're oh, yeah. We knew that kids toys so like the kid died as a toddler somehow yeah but you knew that all along it wasn't a surprise to know that when he got to the box yeah, i he didn't know the child. age i knew he that looked, they had a he looked at pictures yeah okay but pictures, pictures in the bedroom I mean, Could have been any, all kids were toddlers were. at some point in pictures, but yeah. Yes, but my notion, for what it's worth, and I would probably say as intended, 
understood at that moment that he lost his son when he was young. Plus, his his other child wasn't that old to begin with, so it would have to be fairly young to be his younger brother. All right. But, the younger sibling, that was a tough role, and oh, it, yeah. and I felt for that character as, like, yeah. uh, what do I do when my parents are so distraught about my older right. sister's rape? Right. And he played it pretty well. I don't know. It seemed... Uh, yeah, I thought it was... I thought the whole thing was... Uh, Ensemble from beginning to end. It felt pretty realistic. I, uh, it felt realistic. Pretty realistic. It scared the, the shit out of me. That the victim took at least a week to be able to talk about yeah. it, and right. first with and her best friend, right, and then yes. with her mother, and then only then when the mother called the father in could yes. to say it to the father, and yes. how frustrating it was to not for her not to get total acceptance which yeah. calls back to my earlier point of I want my daughter to have total acceptance of whatever she says happens to her I never ever want to doubt th- anything about what she says she, for sure already she can lie about how many cookies she's eaten or whatever but when it comes to something that serious I yeah and I specifically after a little family kerfuffle I specifically uh-huh. I sat her down and I said look society yeah has shown itself to not believe women when they say that something has happened. And I very much want you to know and trust in me that if you, if anything ever happens to you, you can tell me and I will a hundred percent believe you. And, uh, and she, I think she, she got that, but it's man, it's a tough, tough topic. So. Yeah. Powerful stuff. It, it was gripping. I never missed an episode on time and I had read the book first, as I mentioned. So the, the adaptation was astounding. One of the things that was a little different was the benevolent group of men at the local bar and with the owner barmaid who was a tough old gal who and that was the local hangout for the bears and it was rough in the movie and very rough and encounter the encounters were violent that was the case as well in the book but in the book it was even more benevolent there were more of them and that it seemed to me as i recall there were more incidents where the coach was constantly being harassed for any decisions that he made, including which players he played, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And, the, and as I say it, I recall in the movie that was pretty apparent all through it. But in the book, it was even more sinister, I would say, although very well done in the movie. Anyway. Yeah, there was this one complainer mom that in today's parlance, oh, yeah. we would call a Karen, who was all the time, who was all the time like, why aren't you playing my son more? Just a couple more things that, that came to mind that I wanted to point out. How great was the the little Asian boy who... I'm not was the super fast one, but also the, the immigrant who earned his respect from the team by being super fast and, I guess, assisting yes. a goal. And and how about his conflict? Because he more oh, or less walked in man. on the rape happening and then kept it inside himself for that week, just burning in his soul. And then when they're having this, like, trial about whether or not the coach should continue to be the coach. He can't stand it anymore, and he gets up and he walks out. And That's, he, he a, walk, that's a public meeting of the board of directors of the hockey. And he yeah. walks all the way but to the door a thing in between there. to leave and decides, and you can he see goes outside. You can see it working on in, in his brain, yeah. and, and he turns around and he yeah. comes back in, and he stands up and he says, look, I witnessed all of this. And uh, eh, apparently that... Do you not recall what he does before that? He hands, the, he hands Kevin's dad... Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He hands. That well, no, that's when he comes back statement. in. That's when he comes back right, in. That's what I mean. Yeah, he Before, comes back in right. and says, "Look, and if he hadn't done that, he would be less credible to everyone. But the fact that he right. takes out this big wad of cash and right. gives it to Kevin's dad and right. says, look, Which, this man right. paid me to not say what I'm about to yes. say. 
I don't want this money. I want this off my chest. And and he is to- he's totally believed. And just that anguish, like all these characters are going through such anguish in their own ways. And what a great moment that was. Followed by later that evening, he's walking home with his mom and he sees all the other hockey boys there following them. And he tells his mom, look, I'm going to go buy some bread or some eggs or something. And his mother says, no, we can do that tomorrow. And he says, no, I need to go do this. And he goes and, and walks into getting the shit beat out of him because yeah. that's the he knows it's honorable man thing to do in that scenario. Right. I don't know that I would right. be that right. brave myself, but he... And anyway, it's a no. I wanted to. I, I ain't go. I, I ain't wanted to be. I ain't wanted to walk into a group of four guys that are, are going to kick the shit out of you. Right. I can understand why some somebody's like up for that. It just you see some movies where the character goes. I just saw a movie. Where was it? Where the, one of the lead characters, because he's in a very tense situation, he goes into a bar and gets drunk and starts calling the biggest guys in there the ugliest, stupid hunks of lunks he's ever seen precisely for the reason, oh, was in, a, was in True Detective. It also happens in Beartown. The, yes. the coach yes. is upset and wants to get in a fight yes. and goes to the bar and gets, yes. has a couple of whiskeys and then tells this brute, said, boy, you got a pretty mouth or whatever, and, and just to get into yeah. a fight. Yeah. So, so I guess the Ahmed character was just like feeling like he deserved to get the shit beat out of him. I thought it was more the idea of he was immediately resolved to get it over with because it was inevitable. Ah, there's and, that too. And he also had an opinion at that moment that he could hold his own long enough to give them some pain back. <laughs> and he was scrappy, but it, he over he overextended. But then the the thing that the, the tension that he had too was the fact that meant that his scholarship would end and his mother would have to then do this back breaking work. Her back breaking work was for, was more developed in the book by far and how much she was in agony from going to work. The other thing that the, the but book... But I, I loved uh, when she when he had, said, look, Mom, there's no more scholarship. And yeah. she, there was not a moment of hesitation of, yes, I know, son, it's okay. Because I know that was evil money. Right. So, so good stuff. Good yes. Stuff. Let's transition to another topic, and then we can come back to your, your rant against SNL. Today I saw an article that I want to share with you. This site called YouGov... I don't know if it's how government, how related to government it is. But anyway, this came across my attention. The article is titled, All U.S. States Ranked from Best to Worst According to Americans. What they did was it was they got a whole bunch of Americans and they asked them between these two states, which is best. And then again and again and again and again. And I don't even know if they repeated with the same individuals, but they did that 10,000 times. And therefore... You can get the states that got the most upvotes and the states that got the that got the least upvotes. So, I wanted to I don't know quiz you. What states do you think uh, Americans think are best? So, if you had a hundred million dollars and could retire to anywhere in the U.S., where might you want to go? San That's Francisco. Not, San Francisco. What? California. Nope. California ranks uh, 12th. Wow. Holy shit. That's right on the mark then. Uh, what had you guessed before you tell the answer? I. What did you think? I was curious and didn't take the time to, to guess. but you just went and looked. I just clicked right. and looked. And so I, was, I have an idea of where Michigan is. Okay. And oddly enough, my first premonition was it was number 11. And now, after I see California is 12, 
I know that's probably wrong, but I'm going to stick with it. Michigan is number 20. Oh, Sorry. Wow. So the worst states are Alabama. Going from worst up is Alabama, Mississippi, New Jersey, Arkansas, Iowa, Indiana. The clear winner is in the tropics. Hawaii. The second is Colorado. Oh, or Colorado, as they say. And then, surprisingly, Virginia, Nevada, hmm. North Carolina. Nevada. I guess Nev- I guess these are people that have been to Vegas or something and th- think that's cool. So the it's article goes be. on to describe that that people will always rank the state that they feel like they are from above any other state, and that's just basic human tribalism. But when I don't know, it's just a, a weird survey. Yeah. And number six after North Carolina just, is Florida. Yeah. Being from North Carolina, I'm pretty proud about number five ranking for North yeah, Carolina. Yeah, I would have put that in my top. I, I don't think I could be any better at this than top ten as a proven with two separate guesses. I'll tell you that the spring is so gorgeous here, and it's really partly because of the anticipatory nature of the season because right. you're so tired of the cold in winter. And when this, there's a week when this is all like this, and then after that, it, it, they turn green. And so when I walk in the preserve, one of three within walking distance here, in very separate location, it's ablaze with shit. Bushes, trees, ferns, ground flowers, ground cover. And it's, it's a, in the early spring, it's a lighter palette where the greens are, are not as deep and it's a lot, a lot of whites and a lot of grays. So it's not, oh, this makes, don't say this makes it worth. It just reminds you, this is why I really love this time of year. And uh, I couldn't ask for a better south side view for my house. My whole south view is full of windows. Every room downstairs that can has two or more windows in it facing the south, where all these white trees are and the black picket fence that the neighbor put up. And then in the distance- Not a white picket fence, column. a black picket fence? Black, That's black dark. picket with, no, no, with stone pillars every 16 feet. Count the pickets. How many pickets between the stone? Five, ten, sixty. Okay. Sixty. Let's take a picket uh, line. One, two, Sixty-two. Oh, that makes all the difference. Yes. That, oh, no. It does to the pickets. It does to the pickets. Hey, if you you're not picketing, you, if you're not picketing, you're a scab, so. That's gross. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of scabs. You probably are. I've got a friend who's a hemophiliac, and he God. wishes he could have some scabs, but... That's dark, dark. man. What the fuck? Jeez. Okay, Happy so... Hour. Happy hour. Happy hour. We're really rolling now. I think I mentioned this last episode, but one other thing about Bear Town that you mentioned about how the changing of the seasons is, man, they have to put on and take off so many clothes just to cross a threshold. Like, yes. Interestingly that, though, I did, I did have a different takeaway from that. And that was that, the, if you recall, as I'm sure you will, the dress of the coach. I don't I know this guy's name. I know all the other characters' names. but I don't know either. Um, Tom, we'll call him. He, Tom, it might be Tom. It might be Tom, actually. That he wore a tightly knit, what would appear to be a zip-up sweater. David. And a very interesting vest, a warm vest which was not puffy so that it looked like it was a goose down. It looked like probably was a probably the best newfangled insulation that money could buy because he walked out of the house with his boots on, his socks on, his jeans, that sweater, that, and a cap and gloves, and he was ready. 
some other folks would put a big coat over the top of that. Right. But I thought that if and I just, I'm just, just I'm, you know. <laughs> a manly man wearing manly clothes. So yeah, very I've, good. Hey, so whoop, go ahead. No, I've also advanced slightly on the new Pope, but if you'd like to speak about the live night on Saturday, you may. So you sent me, the setup is you sent me a very funny clip from one of their film sketches. From five years ago, by the way. Five years ago, and uh, called Duncan. Yeah, so the the premise of this skit is it's Casey Affleck participating in this Dunkin' Donuts commercial where they the Dunk, the Dunkin' Donuts commercial is very specific that they are showing real customers and he is just this southy violent stereotypical jerk guy that, that we've all learned from the athletes is it's a remarkable day it, it is it is I hit there isn't there isn't a split second of it that I don't enjoy there you go there isn't anything but pure enjoyment on this and and of course, I love him anyway. I think he is fucking remarkable. You know what I've been tagging into, uh, peak by bit, is the furnace, where I'll be channel surfing and I'll find the furnace and I'll jump into it. Almost all of which is post his character's death, because you really got it. He's in the beginning of it, and then after that, he's a ghost. This is a movie. Yeah, with I think I have the name right, with Christian. What's his name? There's a 2007 Christian. horror film. With Danny Trejo and Tom Sizemore, Ja Rule, no. but not Casey Affleck. Hold on, we're trying to. Who was the dude? Who, who was the dude who played uh, Into the Furnace? That's it. <laughs> Close. Out of the furnace. <laughs> More or less the same meaning. Let's see. I don't know. Out of the furnace. That's interesting. But this yeah. will be in the show. So that's Forrest I Whitaker. That. I love that. It made me laugh. Woody Harrelson. So here's Bale. my. Here's yeah. the thing. I got to tell you. Really I've tried to, to tune in to Saturday Night Live from time to time, and and I find myself going back to the good old days, John John Candy and all these Belushi and all the old stuff. And then I try to watch something recent, and I watch this current version's take on their news segment. Yeah. Where back in the day, Jane Curtin and Chevy Chase, and for an entire decade of skit, played it serious sounded and acted like newscasters right not like stand-up comics exactly now and it's all just just and, and che are it's like why do you even have them sitting behind a desk as if you can show the clips that you show but there's no way that either of these two guys give a fuck whether they're realistic at all and think that somehow that doesn't matter when considering whether it's funny or not the whole it, premise of the weekend update is the fact that they play it serious like you're watching a news broadcast and which makes the entertaining part of it the the character the gilda radner characters or the belushi characters all the more striking because it's in a it was intended to be a credible a credible atmosphere so the reaction of the newscasters is priceless right any one of them after one of john belushi's crazy flipping off the table kind of shit would show chevy chase just looking at the camera and saying and now this and just go right to Jane Curtin, who would pick up on yet another news story. And these guys are like, they're writers and they're jokesters, and it's funny, but somehow they forgot to get fucking people in there who could actually play, oh my God, should we think about it, newscasters? Yeah. Oh my God, whatever made you think that this is supposed to come off as a, oh, parody. I heard about that. I heard about that. That's not a parody. 
That's a stand-up, that's a dual stand-up comedy act behind a fucking desk. It's, you know, okay, I'm done. So <sighs> Seth Meyers was not too bad on the... Seth Meyers played it for keeps. He played it as a newscaster. Right. There's only these two guys that broke the rank, and what's the control freak that runs it all? Um, Michaels. Yes. He, apparently, thinks this is funny, even though when he sees it, he doesn't laugh. Why doesn't he laugh? Because Lauren Michaels, apparently, doesn't laugh at anything. He just thinks he knows, and sometimes he does know what's funny. But he doesn't actually laugh. He says, uh-huh, okay. Right. Uh, I've, I, I've gained a, some SNL insights from listening to Conan O'Brien's podcast. And sometimes when he has on SNL alumni, they talk because Conan O'Brien was a writer there. And they yeah, talk about yeah. what, that, what that world was like and how they, um, how it was, if you could write a thing that could get into the 12.45 a.m. spot, which is normally when most people aren't watching, but it's but it's a super prized spot because if you can nail something there when when people are losing interest, then you then you can feel pride. Anyway, uh, he's had on Seth Meyers and uh, several other SNL alumni, and it's pretty interesting to hear uh-huh. what that world is like and what Lorne is like. And the most recent one I heard yeah. was with Bob Odenkirk, and Bob Odenkirk was. Oh yeah, I saw the title, but I didn't read the stories. Tell me about it. What? Bob Odenkirk was. A, was also a writer. He was never a performer on SNL, but he was one of the writers, like Conan. And then he, of course, went on to Second City in, in Chicago, and then he went on to form his uh, Mr. Show thing with other people. And apparently, he not only has he... He hasn't left comedy because he's still freaking hilarious, but he's been so good in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, and apparently he has uh-huh. out a new... Like, the reason he was on Conan's podcast was he has, he has this new movie out called Nobody, and it's this... It's an, he's an action hero. Which you think Bob Odenkirk, an action hero, but I don't know the joke about how in so many action films you get someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger or The Rock or somebody who is a librarian and he's just going about his business and then someone wrongs him and then he gets angry and he has to deliver justice. Right, right. And, and he's whereas, built. whereas Odenkirk looks like he could just be an an, an office jockey. And he's accountant. not because he's got powers. I don't know. Let's see. And follows a man who helps a stranger being harassed by a group of men only to become the target of a vengeful drug lord. So I don't know. It, apparently he gets beat up pretty good, but also stands up for himself. I don't know. I'll have to see this movie at some point. It is being released shortly. Let's see. It was theatrically yeah. released on March 26th. So yeah, I looked for, look for that. But anyway, I enjoy getting so, those little insights into SNL. Hey, tell me this. What episode did you see of the Pope? Uh, uh, the new Pope? Yes. Okay. So... I swear, so episode four of The New Pope, I watched the opening of that five times because I couldn't remember if I'd seen it, and then I watched uh-huh. it again, and then I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen this. And what then was the opening? Marilyn Manson. Oh, which, <laughs> that was remarkable. Don't <laughs> and, you think? And the idea that Marilyn Manson would get in an audience with the Pope who is in the 90s was just like seen as the devil incarnate. And then the the cherry on top is that he doesn't really know who the Pope is. Right. He's like, <laughs> oh, wait, I thought which, you were younger. Which, which one are you? Are you? <laughs> <laughs> and But little do we know, as the story unfolds, 
is that maybe you don't know this. So why, what part of the Pope's character made it not much of a surprise that he might have been a Marilyn Manson fan? What characteristic struck you as laying the groundwork for that? That, that the, the first Pope time, might have been a Marilyn Manson fan? In the first time you saw him, yes. Apart from like the eyeliner? No. Precisely the eyeliner. Exactly. Yes. So. And so that, and I think you, that's a premonition for another thing, but you haven't got to yet, so I won't spoil it for you. But so anyway, tell me your thoughts about the episode, how it unfolded, and, and walk me I through I don't recall it. everything about that about that episode. The, the, the next one I saw was uh, episode five, where the opening, and I maybe they're going to do this for the rest of the season, where they have a celebrity uh, guest, but oh, the celebrity Sharon guest Stone. was Sharon Stone. Yeah. And that was it such was a parody. So, yeah. Such a parody. It, where they specifically said, look, are you going to keep your legs crossed like that? Or you need to choose which way you want your legs crossed and then keep them like that. No, the Pope, actually, the Pope looked at her and said, I do have a favor. And she said, anything, your Holy Father, just ask. And he said, I must ask you, please, not to continually cross and recross your legs. Right. Please just find a comfortable position. And then he comments. That's what I thought I just said. Yeah. On the size of her feet as she gives him for his Holy Father present the pair of stiletto heels that she wore in. And he treated them like he treats every gift, his thank you very much, and then somebody comes and takes it away. But the most amazing part of that to me, the theater of it, was when she was about to take her shoes off and he put his hand up and twisted his hand. <laughs> and everyone sure looked all of the novices, the priests the priest in, in training, all turned their heads the wrong way, the, away, right away, yeah. away from it. It's, the, the writing of that is, it's parody of such a high credible acting characters in scenery it's almost so perfectly done that you say oh my god it appears to be credible even though in, in hindsight it's not it's totally ludicrous yeah and of course one would think so when you see the pope parading down the boardwalk and his shining glow in the glow in the fucking sunlight white skivvies and the godlike body of the pope walks up and all the women are playing volleyball and it's like where did you come up with this crazy shit and then the blessed mother image on the beach falling over i haven't seen that part yet i don't think it's the it's the the opening music ah yeah 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 the, certainly by the fifth scene and i really i really love that opening song in fact i've gone in and explored that band and listened to the rest of their catalog it's it's very interesting it's just this man and woman that's make this music the woman does the voice and i guess some instruments and and the it's and the man does the other instruments and and some mixing and stuff anyway it's a it's an interesting band i forget the name right now but i'll put that in, in the show notes at yeah.fm slash one zero six so Ooh. also in the fifth episode the pope does this thing where he goes to venice and is is seen publicly and one thing i found weird was that the pope could just be walking around with all these people and they would just be looking at him whereas in reality everyone would have their phone up taking a uh -huh. video of the whole thing the whole time which uh -huh. struck me as i remember those times when people could just be in the moment and the yeah and for obvious reasons these folks were so overtaken a lot of what happens at the end of this explains everything that that you're curious about in terms of what's happening in a way that is so tumultuous and so breathtaking and so emotional that I can't, I, I know it, I'm... It I'm, better I'm, not you, be... You need no further encouragement. It better not be a coma dream. That's all I'm saying. 
<laughs> AKA Tom Cruise and Vanilla Sky. Yeah. So what's maybe you can't answer this for me yet, but the red hoodie woman who defiantly stands up to the Pope and doesn't kiss his ring yes. or and is generally yes. protesting all the fucking yes. time. Is that a thing you yes. can tell me we can talk about or is that revealed later and I need to be patient? It all depends. What do you want to say about it? I don't know. What is she protesting? And also... Oh, okay. So what you what you so far by the fifth episode is that not only is there a group that wears the images of the Pope, of the old Pope. in the you most the... fascinating shot of the entire first series is when he's being carried in on the throne and he's wearing his gowns and all of his, the thing, the, uh, the crown that he took back from, where did he get the crown from? It was in a museum in Great Britain. Anyway, it came in a crate in a helicopter. Right. And it was the first time in centuries that the Pope had worn that particular gold jeweled crown. And that was the image of Pope Pius on the sweatshirts, all of which were black with a white, whitish picture fr framed except for her, which was red, which designated her as the leader of a cult. And what the leader of the cult lived for was for Pius to breathe again because they believed that he was the Messiah. They believed that he was Christ come again. And all others are interlopers. Now, this fierce a feeling on their part in the depth of her gaze because she worries you. She worries you. And I will only say this, as well she should okay all right one other question there's all of these hints of this muslim contra propaganda of the muslims are against us somehow that they're are, saying so on television again left, and again it's left on 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 television as the television yeah, is saying starkly starkly rattling exposures where you see the television with i guess maybe the pope in his desk in the middle of his cavernous office with this tele little television in the middle of the room on a stand, and it's just breathtaking yeah. about the Christians. So anyway, what about it? Oh, no, I don't know. It's the question. It's a clue that's repeated, and I wonder if anything happens if I pull on that string, but I don't know. Maybe I'll find out I later. Maybe I need to just be quiet I, and be patient. And I think by the fifth episode that it is very benevolent, and it is stark, and it's riveting. And you, you feel like, holy shit, what is this? It's a freaking tragedy of immense proportions. It's a, it's, and have you seen any, carn any carnage as a result of that television? No. I would think that television. I've seen some carnal right, things. Uh, but. Yeah, no, you did. I don't think so. But there's, you, you'd be surprised, I think, if I were to say to you, oh, no, that doesn't play a big part. Obviously, it does. It already does in your second. It's one of three or four things you remember about it. And you wonder about it because it, that worries you too. There are some know? TV shows that leave little as clues well like that. As well, it should. As and, well, it should. And then don't follow up on them. And that oh, that's because you know why? We were almost ruined. We were almost ruined from that type of conflict in that awful uh, series of what's disaster that we talked about on and on about Cranston. <laughs> what was it? Your honor. Your honor. Yeah. yeah, it's what happened, man. You lost faith as a result of your honor. <laughs> you did. You're traumatized. All these clues that were. never pay off. Yep. We both were. And he still hasn't contacted us to, to apologize. And before that, the the Nicole Kidman, Hugh Grant series that was, oh, whatever that one was. What? All these clues and then nothing. Yeah, I'm glad 
to have someone that has seen the content I have not yet seen and can assure me that it's just it's going to be okay, man. It's all going to work. So out. I got to tell I got to tell you just a snippet because I know this is on your maybe in the future list. I just finished the fifth and final season of Boardwalk Empire. Yes. And then the add-on episode where they interview all of the actors in it. Last week you were so excited to get to this. They were, And they talked about their auditions, and they talked about the phone calls that they always thought they might get if their character would die. Right. Because Terry, what's his name, Terry Highland, he's the he controls the show. Right. And everybody works for him. The director, the actors, everybody. He's the man. And sometimes and, you and, get told, look, this is your last script. And I and it's a call from Terry. And this one actor who did you see Bradley Cooper in with the diaries uh, what was it called? Oh shit. With that lovely actress. It's not striking any chords with you. Bradley Cooper not with the Lady Gaga. No, 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 no. This this preceded that. Jennifer Lawrence in uh, uh, yeah, the the football something. Something or diaries. Yeah, hold on. Huh? Something Diaries. The Blue Book script or the... What is it? Shit. Silver Linings Playbook. Yes, Silver Linings Playbook. Yes, it was hilarious. It was so well done. The movie? Yes. Yes. I I watched that that and wasn't... I wasn't so impressed. I wasn't like, wow, that is Oscar material. Mm-hmm. But I never thought that so much. I just enjoyed it tremendously. Yeah. I just and enjoyed it. I recall J-Law getting really into her role as that she was housewife fabulous. or whatever she was. She was fabulous. A widower. A widow. But Bradley Cooper's such a fine actor. I saw a movie the other day that he was in, and uh, he played a character of... A guy who was a struggling writer who found a manuscript in the uh, folds of old valise that he bought from a secondhand store. And when he read it, he was so awestruck by it that for reasons that he was driven to, because he was such a failed writer in regards to ever getting published, and he felt compelled, he typed it all just to see what it would feel like to be able to write this well. He didn't do it to plagiarize it. He did it to see what it would feel like to put those words together because it was a, it was an old typewriter story. You want to know, and you want to know then, the title of the movie? Yes. The Words. The Words. 2012. And then he's, he's, and this is all known early on, is that he encounters the man who actually wrote the manuscript. Dennis Quaid, maybe? In the park. In the park. And that's played by... Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. In, in a remarkable performance. I mean, Jeremy Irons is fantastic in every fucking thing. When have you ever, when would you ever say, oh, bad role selection, Jeremy? Or, boy, you sure blew that. Uh, never. Not once. Not once. He was a awkward freaking weirdo in that, in that comic book thing that we talked about a year and a half ago. Where he was shooting people off in the... Oh, 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 the... Yes. Yes. The... the God damn it. The Watchman. The, the Watchman. Oh, yes. And... I, he and fucking nailed it. But perfect, his character perfect. was a weirdo. Yeah. It was swell. There was a lot going on in that series. I'd love to, I'd love to see all that again. Yeah. I, thought, I, I think uh, that could benefit from a second watch of... Yeah. Just really paying attention because as far as I know, 
there are lots of little you're going to get this yes. the fourth time you watch this. Yes. Uh, Did you there. notice this? Yes. And because it's one of these movies that is so unpredictable and so unknown, you go from episode to episode, you have no earthly idea what might happen next. You just well, don't. In theory, it's, it's an adaptation of a comic book thing, but the comic book thing was from before where the conflict was with the Russians and not with the white supremacists. So they oh, totally wow. adapted everything from the Cold War to the culture war. And so, yes. But apparently his character, Adrian Vitt or whatever, was, was a super eccentric weirdo guy in the comics too, but I don't know. It was, I don't think that does it justice, but you're heading in the right direction. It was the most what-the-fuck character I, I remember saying. I could probably struggle to find some others, but nothing like that. Nothing is... Like what? Where is this going? And what? What? And the the what? gold statue at some point? Like what? Oh, it's just reminds me of reading Dune. Not to be mistaken with the with one of the worst movies ever made, which was Dune. But the the story itself of presupposed realities that they don't describe. They only give you a, a glimpse of, and you're left to your own devices to try to figure out what in the fuck is the context of this? Right. What? This thing that I'm watching, what plane are we on? What reality is this? Or, but that's you know, the thing and, that, and, that is, I appreciate that in a in a movie or something. Like one of the things about like Star Wars, for example, is they would they would refer to other things that aren't part of this movie but are part of this universe as if it was a thing that it, doing the Kessel Run in 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 so many parsecs right. or whatever. And it's it's it makes the world bigger in a way that. You don't yeah. have to explain every little thing when you're telling a story. It's okay to refer right. to that guy that always was playing horseshoes by the farm or whatever. Right, or and just Yeah, and just leave it at that. Uh, but, yeah, I've heard that Dune... I've heard, like, Dune is a thing that a lot of nerds are into. I have not uh, attempted the it. The book? The book. Um, and, I don't know that... I don't know how far I got with it. I but I have that. heard a podcast about the movie, and it sounds just fucking... You have to be just on LSD or something to understand it. It's just so fucking out there. Crazy. Yeah. And uh, what is that series that went on that they redid? Lynch was the uh, director. Um, Uh, Yes. uh, Twin Peaks. Was that genre? Genre. 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 See, I never saw Twin Peaks. And now that I know... I didn't... uh, Yeah. But I never saw Twin Peaks. But I... Now I know that so many people who I respect their intellect were super fans. I'm curious, but you can't go back and watch. You've got to be patient. You've got to be patient. Right. I'm not sure how patient you are. I Um, I ain't got time to be be patient. (laughs) That's right. I'm patient zero. That's right. Shit. Oh man, I'll tell you, it's we we had Christmas. Now I've talked to you. Yes, you said you had Christmas. Merry fucking Christmas, man. Merry Christmas 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I cooked up a big old ham, and then we feasted on the ham, and we had twice-baked potatoes and salads and tomatoes and mozzarella and Mm. just all sorts of food laid out. And then I took the big old ham bone, and I stuck it in a pot with with about eight cups of water and a whole package of split peas Mm. and cut up. I stir-fried some onions and and some carrots and got them all translucent and, and cooked up and then I made some broth out of those onions and yeah, baby. shit and then I poured the broth into the and the onions into the mix 
and then I put it in a crock pot, uh. and I turn it on two hours, yeah, baby. and it all blended together, and I ate three bowls of it. Crocks and pot. <laughs> Gave away six bowls of it. It was a big-ass crock pot. Nice. So that's what we did Christmas. That's what I remember about the food. And then we exchanged the presents. I got... I this got this my, was with your whole family in a way that it couldn't have been? Everyone in my immediate family. My son couldn't make it for a variety of reasons, but and he was missed. But otherwise, it, it was us. And what often happens at these parties, and I love it, although I regret a little bit of the time involved, but what I love is that at some point early in the party, my granddaughter, who's one of two granddaughters, she being four, the other one being four months, will say, let's play, Grandpa. And when she says, let's play, there could be 15 or 16 characters involved. And we're doing train rides and uh, Shakespeare she'll be running around the mountain. <laughs> well, <no. laughs> and she'll put them in her, Ophelia, Ophelia. Put them in her car and, and she'll drive. And the way she drives is she rotates her arms like we would a wheel and she acts like she's driving. She goes, and turns right, turns left. We're here. <laughs> and so it goes on for hours and so all the adults are doing all the adult talk and i can hear the groups of people in the front porch doing this and upstairs doing that and and i long a little bit for that but then one day when i left her to her own devices and went upstairs and the conversation of the adults so bored me <laughs> then i turned around on my heels and i went downstairs and i said this is the better place to be nice how beautiful <laughs> yeah. is that oh yeah we she's so cute and that then that shit is priceless like, it's it, it's it comes once or twice and you have to yeah. Drink it in. Yeah, it's once in a lifetime for this kid. These two. And I, I didn't realize today that my black hat stocking cap that I wear, because it was cold today, scared the baby. And I couldn't understand when I was strolling her why for the first time ever she was crying. And I got to a little park around the corner and took her out and patted her to sleep. But it's the first time I've ever taken her on a carriage or a stroller ride where she didn't just love it and just fall asleep. <laughs> and later in the house, I take my cap off and my sweatshirt off, and then Grandma comes in, and I put my hat on. When I put my hat on, the baby cries. <laughs> and Grandma says, Grandpa, she's afraid of your hat. And I took the hat off, and she went, <laughs> she was afraid of my hat. And here I am strolling her. Oh, it's okay. I'm bobbing my head, singing to her with the hat that she wears. <laughs> For reasons I don't know about, but what? And of course, I did. It, she cried for a whole less than a block before I took her out, and, and it was a sunny but chilly. And I dress her up warm, have blankets and stuff. And we were in this little park where it's where three streets come together and it forms a diamond or a triangle. And the center of the triangle is a is a pine tree that stands about forty five feet tall, and is about twelve feet around. And the the, the triangle is big enough that around that tree is a grassy path and on the other side of that grassy path before you get to the curb is the six foot wide flower garden and there's a bench there and there's a little library box where it's books to give away and to you put books there you take books out we've got about six or eight of them in our neighborhood so that's where i took her so that was pleasant enough sun was shining and a beautiful day in the neighborhood this whole triangle with the pine tree in the middle seems very masonic it's like the pyramid with the eye in the middle. Uh, I think. Now that you mentioned it, there seemed to be a, a four by five foot eyeball being suspended above that pine tree. It's funny. Now that you, I didn't. I'm just saying. It. I think the skull and bones might be involved with your little park there. I will. I will but, take. I will take a picture of the white 
trees in my neighborhood, and you can put it on the uh, put it on the website for episode one hundred six. We shared with last episode your dogwood porn. Ah, this is what happens next when all of the oh, other baby. trees. I'll get their name. I think they might be Wanda, might be, uh, Elm, Tommy. I better not guess because I'm probably wrong. Well, what's that? What? 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 Well, Dennis. I think our time is up. Well, I've got to be going to bed because I've got to get up and if, get the if to school. If I say good night to you, my sweet Eric, if I oh, end it all here, what will you say? Will you say adios, mi amigo? <laughs> that is yeah. so compelling. That is. So compelling. Play it. Play it, brother. <laughs> uh, Adios, mi amigo. Adios, amigo. Love you, man. This is always fun. Hey, we rec- we got 11 people listening to us. Hello to our friends. Hey, welcome we to down. the new folks. No, no, all the Swedes dropped out. No the, Swedes. The Finns. The, the Swedes are going to be really hyped up about our oh, yeah. Bjornstad. The Bjornstad. Bjorn, Bjornstad. With the bear down. The bears. The bears. The bears. Okay, that does it for episode number 106. I hope we didn't spoil all of Beartown for you. Even if you have listened to this, I think you can still enjoy it because it's such a masterpiece of writing. You can find the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 106 and you can help support us at patreon.com slash happyhour. We would absolutely love that. All our links are in the show notes. We love you and we'll see you next week.